Christmas, house fires, dead kids. What more could you want? I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, stick around. Because this story is so strange, it necessitated the return of Mafia Mike for his incredible insight. Oh! This is Necronomapod. tomorrow and that is it for us today okay i don't know what whatever it is it's not right on the teleprompter i don't know what that is i've never seen that no there it is we are going to do sting yeah okay but now i can't read it there's no there's no words on it okay honey sure there's no words there to play us out what does that mean to play us out it's sting is going to do it's a video sting video what is for credits? I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is that. Okay. In five, four, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I, I can't do it. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Well, no. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Right. Fucking thing sucks! In five, four, three. That's tomorrow and that is it for us today. I'm Bill O'Reilly. Thanks again for watching. We'll leave you with Sting and a cut off his new album. Take it away. And that is it for us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> when you don't have an intro, you go back to what works, right? Bill O'Reilly always works. <laughs> Whether it's a falafel or a loofah, or do it live. Uh, oh, That's man. one of the dumbest things that has ever happened in, in human history. What did he say? He wanted to watch that girl wash herself with a falafel? <laughs> falafel. <Yeah. laughs> Fucking imbecile. Look, I like falafels as much as the next guy. I don't think I have a kink for him. <laughs> Not shaming, but still. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to a new episode. You can oh. tell things are off the rail a little bit already. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's over here eating beaver nuts. <laughs> Nuggets. Nuggets. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I'm going to give the wrong impression. <laughs> so it's actually <laughs> hacked up beaver meat that they fry in their beaver nuggets. Yeah. Huh. It's like chicken nuggets, but beaver ones. Yeah. Look at that. Bucky's. They got it right in the South. They got it right. <laughs> we were talking before we went live. I've heard those brisket sandwiches are dynamite. I've not had one. I've never been to a Bucky's. I had a chance last year, but I was in like drive mode. And I mm. didn't want to stop. Bucky's is wild. But you have not had the brisket either. I did not. What I, stopped I you from trying it? through. But you went into one. I did. What stopped you from trying it? I you you had already hungry. You already ate. Just wasn't, you didn't plan ahead. It wasn't meal time. It wasn't meal time. <laughs> Dave, has that ever stopped us? I was doing like a 14-hour drive. I'm not going to be eating a big brisket sandwich. I'll be snoozing. <laughs> They're not big from what uh, I've seen. 
You sure about that? <laughs> Can you imagine like driving? It's like just sauce all over <laughs> yeah, your shirt. Exactly. It's see? just a fucking mess. No, exactly. <laughs> I don't need food like that when no. I'm road tripping. It's, it certainly sounds like, like it's not a eat while driving type food. No. I didn't even I know it was a thing you. until just now. Now so, you know. Yeah. Apparently they're as big as Walmarts, man. Really? Like it's like uh, the ultimate truck stop place. It's enormous. There's like hundreds of gas pumps. I've never seen anything like it. That's awesome. And there's like a whole like from what I've seen on like videos and stuff like just like like a buffet of like already pre-made sandwiches. You get like turkey or brisket or like whatever you want, like hot foods cooked ready to Everything. go. Everything. But, but apparently the barbecue sandwich is, yeah. is the, the go-to. They're very nice there too. Because it's the South and everyone's nice. They say, my pleasure. Yeah. Like Chick-fil-A does with their mm. whole gimmick. Is that what they say? Yeah. Like if you say thank you, I always have to say my pleasure. Yeah, that's nice. Huh? As they hand me my homophobic sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Is there a lie in that sentence? Mm, no. <laughs> Not really. All right. Just so people aren't pissed, I also do enjoy that spicy chicken at Chick-fil-A. I'm not happy about eating it, but I eat it. <laughs> Anyways, all right. This was, uh, I had no idea what this show was supposed to be about tonight, per usual. But at least I usually have an idea of what the genre is. This is not what I expected. I thought this was like a straight up actual murder story. Oh. Did not know. Did you say like solder? I already fucked her. Well, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> What does that mean, solder? I don't know what that means. <laughs> this is a uh, there's a lot to unpack. Like by the time I was done, there I was is. like, I have no idea what to make of this. And maybe know. you guys have theories. You guys knew the story longer. I was like, I what the fuck? It just happened. I didn't know this story at all. Really. Was this, did Dave? Did you come up with this one for the, the outline? Or I, I, people suggested it was on our list. I've read this story before. I I was aware of it. Whoever suggested this is kudos. This is a good one. Mm -hmm. You got old Mike. You got old Mike interested for once. Yeah. It's very rare. <laughs> it's very rare. It's like, I'd rather be home sleeping, but uh, you got me interested tonight. Now, I, I kind of want a brisket sandwich now that we've been talking about it, but where the fuck are you going to find a good one in Ohio? You DoorDash that from uh, West Virginia or wherever the closest <laughs> one is? Gets here three days later. It's mold <laughs> on it. <laughs> like, pal, I'll leave you a good tip. I appreciate it, but I'm not fucking eating that. <laughs> So, all right. Anything else going on? Just living life, man. Just enjoying life. Good. That's yeah. Good. What else I got to do, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Summer's almost over. Thank God. Labor Day weekend. Let's go. Oktoberfest coming up this weekend. That'll be fun. Drink a lot of German beer. Football yeah. starting. Football starting. Very excited for we that. You can bet on every play in the NFL this year in Ohio. That's big for us. Very exciting. It's big for us. Look, here in Cleveland, we don't have a lot to cheer for. <laughs> At least now we can cheer for play-by-play -play action. That's right. How the Steelers going to do this year? I want an early prediction from you. Pretty good. Pretty what, good. Give, I, me a, yeah? give me a record. And, Dave, I'm coming to you next. So start thinking. Oh, uh, is there 16 games now, right? That's 17, 17 now. 17 now. 17 now. All right. Um, I'm going to say 10 and 7. And do they make the playoffs? Yes. Okay. Are they going to win the division? What exactly are you calling for here? Well, we don't. No, I, was I don't just think, I don't think they'll win. I don't think they'll win the okay. division. I don't Baltimore, think they'll win the Baltimore Cincy. Who wins the division? Cincinnati, Cincinnati for At sure. What? You think so? No. Yeah. Joe Burrow, week two, 
out for the season, calling it right well, now. Well, calling that's a it right story now. Story then. Well, yeah. Why would you call something like that? Because whoever plays on week two, there's a bounty. Get his ankles. <laughs> oh my God. Get his ankles. <laughs> I like Joe Burrow. It's just a random, like no, random prediction. Too. I do not foresee him playing the entire season. Jeez. I think Cincinnati goes. There is not a team in all of sports I hate more than the Cincinnati Bengals. 12 and 5 this year. The Bengals and mm. win the division. Mm. So he's going 10 and 7, which lines up for maybe a second place. Yeah, maybe like a wild card, depending on what's going well, on. The Browns are going 17 and 0, though. You didn't get my Browns <laughs> prediction. I yet. did not. I was coming to you next. But you just said the Bengals are winning the division. So. <laughs> Browns are going to go 8 and 9 this year. I was going to go 7 and 10. So. Eh. so we'll finish last. We will not win the division. No. We, we will not no. make the playoffs. No. We will not pass go. No. We will not collect $200. Absolutely not. But you'll feel better about yourself because you can bet on things now. Absolutely. That's all I really care about. Come on. Let's be honest. Put money right now. Joe Burrow doesn't see past week two. Mm. <laughs> I would not like to bet on that. I'm going to feel real bad it's if that horrible. happens. But. Kenny Pickett had a perfect passer rating for all of preseason. Really? Mm. Who, who? I don't even know who that Steelers is. Steelers quarterback. Uh, okay. He's the next guy. The next big thing? Yeah, he'll be there. Is, this, is he a rookie? Last uh, year he was a Yeah, rookie. last year. Is he a rapist like the previous uh, person at the helm over there in I Pittsburgh? I don't think so. Okay. Time will tell. Alleged <laughs> rapist. Will tell, Alleged. Oh, Alleged rapist. Sorry. I got to get that in there for legal purposes. Sports talk. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have no room to talk in that department anymore. Hey, my, really, our guy just playing. likes massages, all right? <laughs> we really don't have much room. No, it's a complete scumbag. Our our pieces <laughs> using Instagram for yeah. Our pieces of shit don't even get us Super Bowls. At least <laughs> yeah, right. he brought them Super Bowls. <laughs> so at least you feel do. a little good about <laughs> it, right? Like, uh, we How got we, rings though. Yeah, what do you give? Three, two, two Super Bowls. Two, two. I think it was two. Yeah, two. Yeah. two. I think. Yeah, I would accept that from any Cleveland piece of shit. <laughs> give us two Super Bowls. I'll forgive you. <laughs> All is forgiven. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's not. It's eight and nine. I'm going seven and ten. Both the Browns, and you're going ten and seven for the Steelers. Yeah. I think Baltimore will be in last place, though. I'd like to oh, see Oh, you think that. they're going to be worse than uh, the seven and nine? I think so. Okay. All right. Well, we'll check back in December and see where we're at with things. Let, let's do that. Maybe we'll do a wrap-up show this year. Was this our NFL pre-season yeah. show? And when does the season start? Is it the Two week after Labor Day? After Labor Day, yeah. Is there still preseason games this week, or is it like no, an off? No, it's over. All right. All right, let's dive in. The Sauter family celebrated Christmas Eve 1945, like most families in Fayetteville, West Virginia. But on this Christmas Eve, they had more to be excited about. Their oldest son, Joe, who was 21 at the time, had survived World War II and was on his way home. So that night, the Sauters were celebrating with nine of their ten children. It's a lot of kids. It seems like recently with all these stories we've been talking about between here and Patreon, we've been talking about people with a lot of kids. Yeah, a lot of yeah. fucking going on. Which is fine. Sure it is. Please. Let's get those condoms out. Exercise some restraint. I don't know. Fuck condoms. Just come on their back. <laughs> come on. Condoms. <laughs> Did you ever hear a mouth? Use it. A bunghole? Use it. Bunghole. <laughs> Oh, boy. December 1945, a time of great optimism and celebration in this country, right? There was a lot of anal fucking going on. 
just... <laughs> a lot of fucking in general going on with oh, GIs sure. coming home. Oh, we yeah. Beat the, we beat the Germans. We just defeated the Japanese. Everyone's feeling good about the future. Hormones were at an all-time high. Of course. A lot of fucking. Not a lot of uh, protected sex or birth control. No. At all. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not really a thing, right? Clearly not. We're at, what, fucking 13 kids? No. 106 kids in this story? I don't know. <laughs> the oldest daughter, 19-year-old Marion, had been working in a dime store in downtown Fayetteville, and she came home with some toys to surprise her younger sisters. Martha, age 12, Jenny, age 18, and Betty, age 5. The girls wanted to play with their new toys, so their mother, Jenny Sodder, told them that they could stay up a little bit longer. This was around 10 p.m., and part of that deal was that their two brothers, Maurice, age 14, and Louis, age 9, when they went to bed, the girls had to go to bed too. Their father, George Sodder Sr., was already asleep along with John, age 22, and George Jr., age 16. They had been working all day at, um, at George's trucking business. Mm. With that, Jenny Sauter told all the kids goodnight and took the youngest Sauter, Sylvia, age two, to bed with her. There's a lot of children. It's a lot to keep That's track of. It really is. You know who else was named Marion? Who's that? that was my birth name, Pilgrim Marion. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that John Wayne's name was Marion? I didn't know that. Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> I had a girl's name, so I changed it to John Wayne. <laughs> Then I became a manly man, Pilgrim. <laughs> was it Marion with an M or Miriam with an M? It's just like M A R I O N. Marion. Marion with yeah. an M. Marion. <laughs> Masculine Marion, that was my name. Before I got to Hollywood and became the Duke. <laughs> Mr. Wayne, I don't hate the name Marion. Why did you hate it so much? <laughs> I needed a man's name, the Duke John Wayne. I had to kill some engines. <laughs> Marion doesn't kill engines. John Wayne does. All right, asked and answered. Huh? <laughs> so Jenny Sodder, uh, the mother of the house, woke up at 12.30 a.m. to the telephone ringing. She went downstairs to answer the phone, and on the other end was a woman's voice that she wasn't familiar with, asking for someone Jenny didn't know. Jenny said that there was laughing in the background and glasses clinking together, maybe like a bar or something. But when Jenny told the woman that she had the wrong number, Jenny said that this woman laughed in a really weird, kind of creepy way, and then hung up. You like Black Christmas vibes from the yeah. original Black Christmas. Didn't we do that last year for our movie show? We did. We did. It was yeah. really good. That's, That's a the, the sorority movie. house, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. I really enjoyed With that. That creepy laughing another that I might voice. Watch, I'm gonna watch it again this year. Oh, I think. it's awesome. We did that. We did three movies for Silent Christmas. Night, Deadly Night. I think. That's the one that like got banned from theaters, right? <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. And uh the Tim Allen, uh Christmas with the Cranks. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that movie. But what was the name of the first one? Uh the Black Christmas. Black Christmas. That was the best. It's that was awesome. Our, that was really good. Oh yeah. And then we would do Christmas with the crane. <laughs> he got Botox. He's trying to eat soup. Just dribbling on his chin. I wonder why the movie show got canceled. <laughs> As Jenny was headed back to bed, she realized that the blinds were still open and the lights were still on, which was something odd. Usually the kids were pretty good about shutting everything off when Any they th stayed up Any later. thoughts on that, Mike? 
I, I mean, it, do I have to say my thoughts? Like, come on. <laughs> Clearly something w- went askew <laughs> if they didn't close their blinds. That's your first sign. Something's fucked up. I agree. If the blinds were closed, we wouldn't even be covering the story. You never would have heard of them. Nope. The only Marion I would know is John Wayne. God I'm not damn fool- right, I'm not- Pilgrim. <laughs> I'm not fooled, Duke. That's your real name. <laughs> I'm the Duke now. <laughs> what she thought was that the kids were probably excited for Christmas and they forgot to turn everything off. Their oldest daughter, Marion, was asleep on the couch, so Jenny assumed that the other kids had gone back up to the attic where they slept. She closed the blinds, turned off the lights, and then went back to bed. Jenny had just fallen asleep, only to be woken up again at 1 a.m., this time to a loud thump on the roof and then a rolling sound. She waited for a couple seconds to see if she heard anything else, and when she didn't hear anything, she laid down and went back to sleep. Jenny was woken up a third time, this time at 1.30 a.m. by the smell of smoke. She got up and started looking around the house. That's when she found the room that George Sr. used as an office was on fire, specifically around the fuse box and the phone line. Both parents and four of the kids, Marion, Sylvia, John, and George Jr., escaped the house. Initially, it was reported that George Sr. went up to the attic to wake up the other kids, and he thought that they were behind him, when in fact they weren't. And by the time he realized the stairs to the attic were in flames. Through the police's word, the reporting later changed to that George only called up to the kids in the attic. He never actually saw them. Either way, at this point, George and Jenny were outside with the other kids screaming as the house was just going up completely in flames. Do we ever know what did George Sr. actually say about that? Did Uh, he say he went up and had eyes on them? I'm assuming not. His original police statement is that, that he had eyes on them. And then hmm. when he turned around, they weren't behind him. They anymore. weren't behind him anymore. And the stairs were in flames. That was his original statement to the police. That's interesting. It seems odd that you would go to grab the kids, but then run in front of them. I agree. It seems odd. To me. Especially you have eyes on them. You see them and yeah. then you run it. Like that's like Michael Scott in the office, yeah. right? Yeah. When he's running right. out, like, or George at the, <laughs> at George at the kids party. Right, right, right. Okay. I'm going to put that in the bank for later. Spank bank? Like kids burning up? Yeah, no. I have multiple banks. <laughs> okay. None of which feature Mrs. Just Hilde- sure. None of which features feature Miss Hildebrandt. That bank is not in my mind. <laughs> People get the wrong No, idea. I got the spank bank. I got the thought bank. Okay. And the bang bank. Oh, that's about it. That's yeah. all I got in my mind. And the spank Hello, bank. Mike. Am I in the bang bank? I'm in the vault. Spreading my pussy lips. <laughs> Where are you? My favorite thing about her is that she's just from the bank. Just a nameless bank. It the doesn't bank. matter which just, one. She's just the, the bank. bank. The bank. Could be this bank. Could be that bank. Doesn't matter. I'll be whatever bank you go to. What episode was it? Didn't we just decide she runs all the banks? All and, the banks. Yeah. She kind of runs the world. Yeah. She's like, yeah, what she's we say? the head of the Illuminati. The Illuminati. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yet she can't find Mike Namapod or get a goddamn call back. <laughs> want some cock man i leave her texts on red (laughs) since there wasn't a working phone marion ran to a neighbor's house to call the fayetteville fire department a guy who was driving home from a bar saw the flames and turned around and drove back to that bar to call for help but was unsuccessful some reporting says that this was because he couldn't get through the operator others say it's because the bar's phone was broken So this guy drove to the center of downtown Fayetteville and found a phone 
to get through to the fire department. Fayetteville's a small town, right? We're not talking about a very big place. Yeah, and when we're talking about downtown Fayetteville, yeah, we're talking small like, town, West Virginia. Yeah, like their version of like their square, town square would be considered downtown. Yeah. Back at the Sodders' house, George Senior, who was barefoot because he, you know, got up for, right out of bed, climbed up the side of the house and punched out one of the windows, severely cutting his arm, like hit an artery type mm. injury where he's bleeding everywhere. This window was a level lower than the attic, and he found that the fire was too big to go through that window to reach the attic. So he yelled for his other two sons to get the ladder from the side of their house. He would use the ladder to climb from where he was on the house up to the attic window, up to the attic window and go in that way, but the ladder was gone. George then tried to pull both of the trucks he used for his business up to the house and then use them to climb to the attic window but neither of them would start, even though they worked just fine the day before. At that point, the Sodders and their surviving children were left to just stand and watch the house burn to the ground. That is an unimaginable situation to be in. Because what do you do? I mean, at that point, when it's like completely in flames like that, you'll just die immediately. Yeah. You, you would just be throwing yourself on the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Be terrifying. I just, the, 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 the point where you leave the house with the kids initially, I don't know. I don't know how you get to that point. Like the ones from the attic? Yeah. Where like you, thinking they're behind you. Yeah. But like you didn't check. You didn't right. look. You didn't let them go in front of you. Seems odd. I could see maybe trying to lead the way. Like you want to go first just in case there's something falling. Yeah. And granted, you know, it's a time of crisis. It's but you're going to look behind you, I think. But then that's assuming that they... That that was an accurate statement that they're they're right. they're you had eyes on them. It's hard to put yourself in that situation and know how you would react in an emergency like that. But <clears throat> I don't disagree. I just keep going back to like, did he actually see them? Because mm-hmm. I think what we'll get to is you know maybe they weren't even up there. Yeah. How he reacts to on the outside, like trying to climb up the side of the house and get around to the attic that way. I feel like it gives some credibility to the that the attic stairs went up in flames mm. and he couldn't get up back up. So he yeah. went to try and get yeah. around. I agree. Maybe he never even saw the kids. I don't know. Yeah. It, right. That seems, that really seems like it would be more accurate that he never saw them. Right. Exactly. I think maybe it was just a misstatement to the police or miscommunicated or taken down wrong. That's what I mean. The maybe odd part so. would be running up in the attic, seeing the kids and be like, Hey, follow me and running down where they act actually got left up there. I, I so maybe that didn't sure. exactly happen that way. It just caught me off guard when, when Ian said, like, no, his statement to the police initially mm-hmm. was he had eyes on and was leading them out of the house. That threw me off. Who knows how your brain remembers things later. You're so fucking traumatized. I mean, how can you even watch something like that and yeah, even and... keep your right mind to even make that statement later on? But it's just another twist in this it confusing is. plot sure. that will not make any headway through at all tonight and probably leave listeners very confused. (laughs) But God damn it, we're going to give it our try. The story's the story. You might be thinking there's been two people now that have called the fire department. Like where, where was the fire department and all this, especially because they were only two miles away from the Sauter's house. The fire department didn't show up until seven hours later. And by that time, the house was nothing but ashes and debris inside the basement seven hours (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) it was just a basement with 
you know, debris that didn't burn and sure. stuff just sitting in there. When asked why it took so long, Fire Chief F.J. Morris said that he didn't know how to drive the fire truck and he needed to wait for someone who did know how to drive it to become available. Time out. I don't know how you become the chief (laughs) (laughs) if you can't drive the truck. (laughs) Are there no qualifications? Was this an elected position? Yeah, is it a patronage job? That's exactly what I was thinking. How can you not drive the fucking truck if you're in charge of the goddamn fire department? So the chief was sitting at the firehouse all by himself with no one else, and he didn't know how to drive the fire truck. And he's just like, huh? Uh, sorry. Uh, I made some calls. I'll let you know so we can get someone over here to drive it. Like, you could push the fire truck there in seven hours. What was he doing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's, <laughs> that is absurd. This is one that I just don't believe. Like, that's, I think that's part of the conspiracy of this. That, that sounds a little hard to believe. It's a very odd aspect of the story. Yeah. I'm yeah. calling bullshit on that one. Two miles away. Yeah, you could have pushed the fire you truck. You really could have pushed it quicker than in seven hours. That's right. I saw some things saying that small town fire departments and things were depleted because of World War II. That guys, a lot of those guys were okay. over there fighting. So right. a lot of these type of departments weren't uh, what they used to be. All right, that's understandable. All but right. still, it's still two miles away in yeah. seven oh. hours is ridiculous. Two miles away. Could you not just grab hoses and run? Why do you need the truck? I don't know what it was like back in the 40s, but mm-hmm. the water is not coming from the truck. Can't you just grab hoses and run? These are supposed to be well-conditioned, you know, first responders. Don't know. Grab a hose. Just run. Like, are trucks, fire trucks that hard to drive? I feel like I could probably... Like, in an emergency, just Kramer did it in the back end <laughs> of Seinfeld. He managed it. So but, we, like, even if you, what, maybe you don't need the truck. At least go with the hoses for seven yeah, hours. Yeah. Go get a start. It's a weird part Maybe of the don't story. enter the home without your equipment, but you can at least get hoses and start putting stuff out. It's very weird. I don't know. Like, let's say that it's, like, a, a more of a straight path there. I don't know what the roads were like, if they were, like, windy or whatever. But if it was, like, I feel like I could drive a, a fire truck if it was just Kind of a straight... Figure it out. Yeah, two-mile drive. I can drive a It's a truck, truck with for, an engine. Fucking figure it out. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get this at all. I could drive one for two miles. I could drive anything. <laughs> yeah, like, and especially in a time like that. Like, just figure it out. Yeah. Learn on the job, pal. Yeah. You're the fucking chief. I learned how to drive a stick shift in an emergency, having to take someone to the hospital. I figured it out. See? It's not that fucking We're not doing stories on that one, are we? No. (laughs) That guy lived. (laughs) That's why we're not covering it. By 10 a.m., Chief Morris told the Sodders that they didn't find any bones, which would be expected if the other kids had been in the house as it burned. Another report says that there were bone fragments found, along with some internal organs, specifically a heart. Either way, Chief Morris told the Sodders that the fire burned so hot that the other five solder kids not accounted for had completely burned to ash. Well, that's a little silly. Come on. Also a little cold hearted. Like who's going to fucking tell the parents yeah. that? I'm oh, sorry. They burned to ash. Even when you cremate yeah, someone. Paper, paperwork here for you to sign. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Even when you cremate someone, there's still bones. It's not ash. All those bones don't burn. Do you go digging through urns that you've been given back? And just start looking, <laughs> playing around in there? I have, and there, have there's you? bones in there. It's not ash. Do people do that? I didn't know people like open those and look through it. I've seen 
cremated remains before. There's bones in there. I'm not. I just yeah. I didn't know people went looking. Well, no. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not all ash. There's some bone fragments. No, I understand. There. Yeah, that's that's a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah, yeah they. That's from a crematorium. So. It is to burn so hot. Yeah. Guys, I want you to know that if, if I, when, when I shall pass, probably sooner rather than later, uh, once they uh, cremate me, take one of those little bone fragments, put me on the uh, souvenir shelf. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do? Take me to Beeve Austin, and I want to be his little boner. <laughs> I want a little part fra- bone fragment of me to be his little boner. Oh, we're going to mount your penis on the studio wall. What are you talking about? Oh, you can do that, too. <laughs> You're going to like plaster caster of me before That's I right. go? <laughs> put me right up on the mask wall over here. Although, don't put me by that guy. That's a little, that's a little big. I don't want to look I don't want to look like a shameful. Put me, like, put me next to that little macho man figure. It'll look real, real nice. Five days later, the local coroner held a court hearing where evidence would be presented to a jury to reach a conclusion as to how the fire started. This hearing ruled that the fire was an accident due to faulty wiring. And pretty much at the same time, out of grief and frustration, George Sr. got in his bulldozer and filled in the basement of their old house with dirt. Later on, he and Jenny said that they couldn't stand the sight of it and they would plant flowers there when it warmed up outside. But this completely ruined any chance of the West Virginia Fire Marshal's Office doing a more thorough investigation. Because that was planned. That was, you know, went over Chief Morris's head. Mm -hmm. But George fucked it up by Mm. burying everything or filling everything in. It's odd. It's quick. It's very quick quick he did this. This is like four days afterwards he did this. I I don't know what how his grief was at that point. I, I, but it's too I guess I understand that, that he said or done in a story where there's just not a lot of answers. Yeah. So it's weird. That's why you take it into account. Obviously we're not trying to accuse this grieving father of anything, but when you're looking at all these little pieces, parts trying to make sense of anything, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It is tough, but who knows? I mean, you know, five dead kids. I don't know how you would really, I don't know how you could even function. Were they dead though? So Dave? Was, Were they dead? Well, presumed. We found dead. no bone fragments. Presumed dead. Back to the hearing on the cause of the fire. Sitting on the jury was a man that George Sr. previously had an argument with. In that argument, the man had threatened George Sr. that his house would be burned down and his children would be, quote, destroyed for George Sr.'s anti Mussolini comments. The fuck were George Sr.'s attorneys doing here? Hmm. Would George have not brought up like, hey, we're here because my house burned down. By the way, that fucker on the jury said my house was burned down. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he shouldn't be on the jury. Isn't that weird? Was there a large pro-Mussolini Italian population? I, I learned something in reading West this. Virginia at this time? At least in this area. Yeah, I've never heard of this before. I thought everybody would, for the most part, be against him. One like, would think. Like Lucky Luciano and the Italian mob in New York City worked with the U.S. government against Mussolini in the war effort. Well, it's West Virginia, pal. Yeah, I just I'd never heard something like that before. I don't know. I did not know this either. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a, a strong pro-Mussolini movement going on in the uh, 
Should they have been interned like we did with the Japanese on the West Coast if there's a lot of pro-Mussolini forces down here? Well... There was a lot of pro-Hitler forces in this country, too, at that time, or, you know, prior to the war starting. I would say, no, maybe not that, but I would say if you're burning people's houses down, perhaps you should be incarcerated. (laughs) (laughs) That would be what I would say. I'm going to have to think about that, but I think I might side with you there. (laughs) Okay. I might might agree. (laughs) They certainly shouldn't be sitting on the jury. Conflict of interest. Yeah. If anything. Perhaps. I want to. I want to sit on this jury selection pool. How that? How how that went down? What was the jury impaneled for, though? Was yeah, like a grand jury to look at the events that took place. That's what, what it seemed like. Yeah, I saw it called an inquest online. Mm. Which okay, they just right. look at the evidence and right. so get into some background on who George Senior was and some background on the Sauter family. Oh, so now we're going to start the episode. Yeah. Okay, we'll start the episode now. <laughs> George Sauter was born Giorgio Sadu in Tel Sardinia, Italy in 1895. Founder of Giorgio's Pizza here in uh, Northeast <laughs> Ohio. Probably. I made that up. He's like, probably. You can, they do that promo where you can win a chance for Bernie Kozar to come hang out with you. <sighs> Is that what he's come to now? Mm-hmm. Really? I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Do they still real? have, <laughs> are Giorgio Pizza still like freestanding or like their own buildings or are those strictly just sold out of gas stations now? I have not seen one of those in a long time. There used to be one by St. Ed's where mm. you and I went to, I don't know. It was there when I was there, but this was still 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think on the East side they have. Okay. There was a Georgia's. Do they? It wasn't good. No, I don't no. even remember eating. At that I remember place. it being awful. Mm. Is that just a Northeast Ohio thing or is that? I have no idea. I don't, I'm not even, I, yeah, I can't remember it being good or bad. ever going there. Damn. Anyways, all right, sorry, derail. Now we're just feeling bad about Bernie Kozar. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even at least find with like East of Chicago, like a good one local chain. <laughs> when I was, uh, <laughs> I worked at Pizza Hut when I was in high school. and Did that, you? That Eric, oh, Eric Metcalf could deliver your oh. pizza to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Pizza Hut back then was the shit. <laughs> Second, sure. Eric Metcalf was the shit. I know. That was good times. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Metcalf delivering pizzas. Number 21, right? Number 21. That's right. Metcalf up the middle. The guy was like a buck 50. He hit, he hit the line and he bounced back 10 feet. <laughs> <laughs> Loss of five on that play. But the Browns were good then. That's when we were uh, battling for playoff spots. Yeah. We had Belichick as our coach. They were a little good. Whatever became of Belichick. Never heard of him. He never did that. anything again. <laughs> never heard of him. <laughs> He cut his teeth here, but then he just went away. Yeah. Went into obscurity. He never wore hoodies with the sleeves cut off or anything like that. <laughs> won five <laughs> Super Bowls or anything with the greatest man who's ever lived on the face of the earth. Jesus second, Tom Brady first. <laughs> so, so George thought. <laughs> you okay over there, Mike? So George came to the United States when he was 13 years old with his older brother. Once they got through customs at Ellis Island, George's brother went back to Italy, and we don't know why. George refused to talk about why he left Italy and why his brother went back. It's like, fuck this place. 
He saw it and he was like, nope. I know, I know a like of the U.S. I go back. It's a place of socks. Spent all that time on the ocean coming across. He's like, he takes one step. He's like, nope. I do not like. Borat. Borat. I just looked into Borat there. Maybe he went back to Kazakhstan and stuff. Kazakhstan is the greatest country in the world. All other countries are run by little girls. <laughs> so with George on his own, he had to find work, which he did on the railroads in Pennsylvania. He was basically a water boy for other workers on the railway. From there, he found a better paying job in Smithers, West Virginia as a truck driver. While doing this job, George would frequently go to a grocery store in Smithers owned by the Cipriani family, and that's where he met his future wife, Jenny Cipriani. Eventually, George opened his own trucking company, which started out hauling dirt to construction sites and then later added on some pretty lucrative deals hauling coal from mines. It was later reported that George and Jenny had become, quote, one of the most respected middle-class families around. Literally the epitome of the American dream. Yeah. Came over as an immigrant, 13 years old. Now he owns his own company. And doing pretty good with those coal mining uh, contracts. But at the same time, George bumped heads with a lot of people in the Italian-American community, specifically about Benito Mussolini. You look at the sausage. (laughs) (laughs) It's an actual quote from Benito Mussolini, right? (laughs) Is that, is that Mafia Mike back in the house? No, that's Mussolini. That was Mussolini. Let's try him one more time. You look at the sausage. Yeah, I think that was him seducing his wife. That's actual audio from from World War II. Yeah, that's crazy. In the archives. It was right before they hung him up upside down by his feet. Probably. He's like, how can you hang me? Look at the sausage. George wasn't shy about voicing how much he hated Mussolini, which... Seems like it would be, you know, a pretty accepted idea. But this led to a lot of disdain for George because the majority of the Italian immigrants in this area at this time supported Mussolini, at least in this community. Hmm. Interesting. You know, we were fighting against Mussolini, so maybe you should be supporting this country if you'd hmm. like to live here. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> By 1945, so that's the year of the fire, Mussolini had been removed from power and executed, but there were still a lot of hard feelings towards George about his opinions of Mussolini. Good good execution pictures, too, of Mussolini and his mistress hanging up oh, by yeah. their feet. There's some wild ones. Everyone's spitting on him and yeah. stuff. But in West Virginia, they were all about him. Yeah. They were erecting okay. statues. The big Mussolini statues in West Virginia. Maybe. They, maybe. They, they probably would have. At least the Italian community would have been all for it. You get some of my garlic bread. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. He makes good garlic bread. You can't hate the man. (laughs) So that's where we get into this argument with the juror we talked about. This juror was an insurance salesman who came by the Sauter house one day trying to sell life insurance to George for his kids. How the story goes is George was like, why would my kids need life insurance? And furthermore, I know you're a Mussolini supporter, so get the fuck off my property. Yeah, hell yeah. USA, 
Woo-hoo! USA! <laughs> USA! USA! Thanks, Homer. <laughs> Good for you, George. America! Like Fuck yeah! <laughs> This insurance salesman in turn said, quote, your house will go up in smoke and your children will be destroyed for all the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. You should have shot him in the fucking face right there. Wow. Right on the porch. God damn. Which is very interesting given what is going to happen. Yeah, this is like... I mean, what we already discussed, but what was going to happen later. Yeah. This is like four weeks before the fire happened. About two weeks after this argument, a young guy, probably in his early 20s, showed up at the solder house looking for work. Later on, George said that the guy reminded him of himself. So he said, yeah, I can find some work for you to do with my trucking company or something. As they were walking around talking, the young guy saw some fuse boxes on the outside of the solder house and said, quote, those are going to cause a fire someday. George was thrown off because he had recently had the whole house rewired and thought, that this guy had no idea what he was talking about. Mm. And adding to the strangeness of this encounter, this young guy, like I said, like somewhere 18 to early 20s, he never ended up doing any work for George. Just kind of came out there, wandered around, followed George around, and made a weird comment about the fuse box. Mm. He's like, all right, I'll give you a job. And he just probably never showed up again. Yeah. Hmm. Very suspicious. So one guy threat straight, straight up threatens him. That his house is going to burn down, and then this guy comes out two weeks later. I get the threatening. Not that I get it. The insurance guy, like they were having an argument. It was the whole Mussolini thing in the heat of the moment. Yeah. If this was premeditated, what is the point of this young guy coming around? I get that he's scoping the area, but what is the point of him making a comment about that's going to be a fire? Like, that's just... This is to, this is like uh, just George looking back on it later on. No, I understand. Yeah, but I'm saying it, you know that theory would almost be like this guy was a part of the conspiracy. They're gonna they're gonna kill us. They're gonna ruin my family. Yeah. So maybe if he that was guy targeted. was just scouting though, <clears throat> then, then like oh here, here's good entry points. Here's how we can throw fire. Why even make the comment about the fire? Like oh those are gonna catch fire. It was just being funny, or yeah, was it a veiled a, threat? Just yeah, being a smart ass. Or was it to put in George's head? Oh, if there's a fire, it's because of that, not because I'm gonna come back and burn okay. your house down. Okay, sure. I'm just talking through all this. Hmm. When I initially read it, I read it as like someone being a smart ass. Like, like he, he knew yours. Yeah, he like, knew how he, what he was gonna do. Just being yeah. cocky about it. But then that seems very movie like, and life usually isn't like a movie. It does. It does. Yeah. But that's why I go back to maybe putting seeds in his head, planting seeds like, oh, that's the reason why there was a fire. Yeah. It wasn't because of all of us and what we're going to do to you. It only makes sense if he's really being targeted by some people. Right. Otherwise, is, it's all coincidental. Which is why I bring up all that stuff that yeah. seems to be odd from George's side. The kid's not behind him. Not bringing up this guy on the jury. There's a lot of little things like that that just put a twist in kind of everything yeah. that I start to think. Yeah, the the guy the the guy on the jury is directly like that's that doesn't seem like a coincidence. No, you're implicating yourself by making threats that happen a couple weeks later. <laughs> right. Like the the timing yeah. of that is ridiculous. Yeah, of course. But yeah, it's like it's that George's comments, the whole fire department thing. Like it's just all really weird. Nothing fits. A couple weeks later, so this would have been, you know, 
a week or two before Christmas, 1945, the older Sauter boys noticed what they said later. And this is later on. This is all, you know, hindsight being 2020. They said they noticed a strange car parked on the side of the road near their house. And to them, it looked like there were two men inside that would watch the Sauter girls going to and from school every day. I I couldn't find an exact timeline Mm. of like how long this car would have been sitting there, things like that. So we talked about it earlier, like where this all came from. And a lot like said, we're going to bring up this private investigator, CC Tinsley. Mm -hmm. Then George and Jenny Sauter did a lot of interviews and stuff and trying to keep it in the public eye. They put up a billboard where the house used to be. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. What else would you do? So all of these odd details started adding up to George and Jenny Sauter. This would have been in early January 1946 because they had the funerals for the kids on January 2nd. And after the funerals, they started questioning the investigation. George and Jenny first questioned if there was faulty wiring. Why did the Christmas lights stay on through most of the fire? Then they started to put together all the weird details we were talking about, like this argument he had with this guy so he'd burn down the house. They eventually hired the private investigator, C.C. Tinsley, and things kept getting weirder in the story. Is it weird that these kids all died on the same day as John Bonet Ramsey? Has anyone ever looked into that? Mm. I just want to note that Jesus apparently was too busy celebrating his birthday. He couldn't intervene, put the fire out. Thanks, Jesus. Good job, Jesus. Were they both Christmas Day? Officially, well, this was one thirty the next morning. If, so, if yeah. they were, if they were in fact killed, it would have been Christmas Day, and John yeah. Bonet's was that night. I think it's listed as Christmas Day death. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I remember her dad went to bed at like ten o'clock because they were getting up early the next day because they were going to fly to Georgia. Right? They have their their house there. Or something. Yeah, their second house. Yeah. Or mm. And then he woke up early, and that's when mom went downstairs and found the note or whatever allegedly or wrote the note as some people Mm. might suggest Mm. i don't Mm. mean to open up all that i'm just Mm. saying i remember that story i did a remember for that one we all do mike we all do (laughs) (laughs) didn't we do a christmas killing show too a few years ago it was a crime spree in dayton ohio see how those connected also dave is there a christmas day killer that's been around since World War II mm. that is still killing people on Christmas Day. Maybe they're passing Kids. it on to their offspring, mm. continuing the family business. The Santa Claus killer. Mm. Ho, Genera- ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Generational. Mm. You might have stumbled on something here, fella. Now I just want to hear um, Weird Al Yankovic's The Night Santa Went Crazy. <laughs> this is just fantastic. <laughs> So remember how we talked about how George wanted to use a ladder to get to the attic and it was always on the side of the house like yeah. by a shed and stuff and that ladder was gone. The ladder was later found at the bottom of an embankment in the woods a hundred feet away from the Sodder's house. Mm. Second, a telephone repairman told the Sodders that the house's phone line had not been burned in the fire as they previously thought, but it was cut by someone who would have been willing to, and able to climb 14 feet up the pole and reach out from that pole two feet away and cut it. 
a man who neighbors said that they saw stealing a block and tackle from the Sodder's property around the time of the fire, which it would have been the same day, supposedly was identified and arrested. According to reporting, he admitted to stealing from the Sodders and said that he was the one who cut the phone line, thinking that it was a power line. But he denied having anything to do with the fire. Why did he have to cut the power line to steal? Yeah. Hmm. A block and tackle that was already outside. Hmm. On the same day that a fire happened that killed a whole lot of people. There, yeah, hmm. there is just too many coincidences adding up in this story. Almost everyone we've, everyone we've discussed in the story in my mind is guilty. Like at this point. There seems to be a big conspiracy going on here. What's really weird about this is that there's no actual record identifying that that man exists. There's no name for him. There's no arrest record for this guy. Um, Where did that report come from then? News reporting and the private investigator. That's why a lot of this is just... News reports from the day. Yeah, just a compilation of news reports and, you know... But then even then, what like, this guy how found. Are, yeah, like, how are they getting a report, you know? Like, is it just hearsay? Is it a lot of rumor. rumor and innuendo at the bar? Oh, I heard this and this. Mm. Because you would think if this guy, if there was a conspiracy and the authorities could have just pinned it all on this guy, why not? Let it just mm-hmm. him take the fall for the whole thing. Well, look, we're not talking to New York Times here either. No, you that's know, why I said reporting the bar. in Fayetteville. Yeah. I'm sitting next to you getting hammered. I happen to work for the post. Yeah. And you say right. something, I'm like, well, that's going to print. <laughs> By the way, uh, doesn't matter for off the record. I'm fucking printing it anyway. Right. So <laughs> it's your problem, pal. The Sodders also thought that Chief Morris was full of shit regarding his ruling that the kids burned completely to ash. A lot of the appliances inside the house had been found still recognizable in the ash along with fragments of the tin roof and the bible right uh bible's always uh, never burn in these situations oh, okay. oh it's a miracle oh, the bible look, fire went everywhere <laughs> save the bible that's true though I'm didn't not- save the owner of the bible but the bible <laughs> didn't burn well the bible is more important than the owner it's the <laughs> word that needs to live on not the person we can all be vessels for the word the bible needs to live uh, okay we learned that the other day and uh on Patreon, the Nan Up Doomsday Cult. Remember his book? It was more about the message than who actually wrote the book. It's true. So Yeah. So that makes sense. That adds up. Mm-hmm. Bible survive. <laughs> They're fireproof. <laughs> They're fireproof. Jenny compared their fire with a newspaper account of a similar house that had burnt down around the same time and that killed a family of seven. And there were skeletal remains of all the victims found in that case. Jenny started burning small piles of animal bones. And I also saw reports that she would, would get um, like roadkill, like okay. a full raccoon, mm-hmm. something, sure. um, and burn it to see if she could get it to be completely ash, nothing left over. And there was always bone fragments. Yeah, right. Yeah. So through her doing this investigating on her own about you know, how the burning process would work. An employee of a local crematorium told her that human bones will still be present even after bodies are burned at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours, which would have been longer than the house was fully ablaze and hotter than the house fire could have possibly been. There you go. To find no bones in that rubble is not believable. 
Yeah, that's that's nonsense. So then, are they lying, or did they not find any human remains in that rubble? I believe they're lying. Okay, but I don't. You know, that's just me. We're just talking through this. We're just talking through it. No, someone's lying. I will. I think that I 100% will sign off on. Somebody is lying in the story. <laughs> yeah. And it's sure not Ian. He's telling it as it is. <laughs> as we know it to be. There was a wrong number that called the night of the fire. Um, the Sauter's private investigator needed to find who this woman was and rule out that that call didn't have anything to do with it. According to C.C. Tinsley, their private investigator, he did find the woman and was able to confirm that it was a for real wrong number call and that the glass clinking and laughter in the background was from a Christmas Eve party. That's the best thing about getting rid of landlines is you don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. And to this day, that is why I go to sleep with my cell phone on silent. Sorry, you're not waking me up at night. It's an emergency. Eh, I'll check in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> not my problem. I'm sleeping. What if I get stranded or something? I'm calling you for a ride home from like... 10 miles away. Hmm. You're not going to get me? You won't answer the phone? No. If if I knew you were going to be out, I would keep my phone on. Really? I've done it for this guy before. He's getting lost <laughs> in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, yeah. You're like, hello? Uh, I, I see a pine tree. I'm in the corner of <laughs> two fence posts. I can't get out of here. That is almost I'm exactly. Sure. I'm not sure where I'm at. I see a street light. Uh, that was it. He, we lived in a residential area. Stop signs. And he goes, dude, I'm looking at a street light or a, a stoplight. And I'm like, man, you literally had to go from a backyard that connected to yours around the block. If you're looking at a stoplight, you are way <laughs> off base. <laughs> then you walked all the way back and you got into the cul-de-sac where we had friends that lived. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I think I see Angie. She's, <laughs> she doesn't look happy. And I'm like, I'm going to let you go. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the time she walked down like half, <laughs> half the street to find me. Yeah, so don't call me in an emergency. <laughs> Phone's probably gonna be off. Me snoozing. Nice. I told that story about why I started doing that back in 07. I got really freaked out after the Chris Benoit tragedy. Oh yeah. When he the there was his phone was randomly texting people like his address and about his dogs and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Putting my phone on silent at night. <laughs> I don't want some fucking weird ass text in the middle of the night waking me up. It was what? <laughs> 14 years ago. Good luck getting me between the hours of 3 a.m. and noon. Thanks, when Chris I, Benoit. Yeah, between 3 a.m. and noon when I'm sleeping. The other thing that was weird that night was that the trucks wouldn't start. Remember, George, George was trying to move his trucks over to climb those to the attic. George and Jenny believed that the trucks had been messed with, but there was no concrete evidence found. And family members later said that the older solder boys frantically trying to start the trucks could have easily flooded the engines and it yeah seems like that's what everybody believes with that did they start in the next couple days i don't know probably but if you're looking towards a conspiracy dave if it's a conspiracy then yeah it would make sense that they would be tampered with Mm -hmm. maybe they didn't start in the next couple days i don't know one spring rolled around george and jenny planted flowers on the dirt used to fill their old basement as a memorial to the kids 
which that flower garden was something that Jenny tended to for the rest of her life. Also in spring, C.C. Tinsley started digging up new information. He tracked down a bus driver who had driven past the house on that Christmas Eve and said he had seen some people throwing, quote, balls of fire at the house. A few months later, when snow had melted, the Sodder's youngest daughter, Sylvia, found a small, hard, dark green rubber-like ball object in a brush nearby. This led to George and Jenny believing that the thump and rolling sound that she heard on the roof the night of the fire was somebody throwing some type of grenade-looking object to start the fire. What the fuck is going on here? What's that line? I've never heard of something like that, though. Is that a thing? Like What? Well, I guess we'll get to it in a minute. I don't, I'm jumping ahead. What is that thing? Some sort of like Molotov cocktail-like device? It's what it sounds like. It's what mm. you would... Some type of flammable... Mm-hmm. Or you did say it. I'm sorry. Never mind. Yeah, it's like... The, like I've never heard of like a green ball that mm-hmm. you just throw at things. Yeah, it's definitely that, something like you to... light up or... Like that's... I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Which is also terrible, like for the what's the mom's name? Like you're sleeping, you like thinking back, you heard this, mm-hmm. went back to sleep, not thinking anything of it. Little did you know, people might have been igniting your house and trying to cook you and your family. Fuck. Mm. Yeah, and they they always stood by, um, saying that the fire started from the roof. That's what the solder said, but there was never okay. any evidence of that. There. No way to prove it. Everything was gone. Like, how could you tell? And George filled it all in. Like, he fucked up that investigation. Whether he did it on purpose, if you're in that camp, or if he was just, you know, a really frustrated, grieving guy and did it. Either way, he fucked up that investigation. If you're looking at it from the angle of George, you have evidence to stand behind, thinking he might have been a part of this. I'm not saying that's the case. But he filled in the holes. He didn't say anything about the jury. There's the whole question about whether or not he got the kids. There's just there's enough to stand on to to have that. It's mindset. suspicious. Yeah, when taken as a whole. Yeah, but then you look at anybody we've discussed tonight, and there's enough to be like, yeah, they're suspicious. Yeah, there's a lot of piling up. Fucking there. chief sitting there for seven hours. Eh, can't drive. All right, walk, walk. <laughs> go fucking help then. At least yeah. just go help. Right. Yeah, you could walk down there and try to help. Bring a bucket bucket of water. That one dude went all the way back to town just to make a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. You are literally, this is, you are in charge of this. It is a fire. That guy from the bar should be the new fire chief. Yeah, (laughs) he did more for him than anything. Go walk up there and spit on the house. That's more than you did. That's right. CeCe Tinsley also heard rumors around Fayetteville that regardless of his report to the Sodders that no remains had been found in the ashes. Chief Morris had found a heart, which he later put into a metal box and secretly buried. Chief Morris apparently, Chief Morris apparently confessed this to a local preacher who then confirmed it to CC Tinsley. So George and Tinsley went to Chief Morris and confronted him and Morris agreed to show them where he had buried the metal box and they dug it up. They took what they found inside to a local funeral They took what they found inside the box to a local funeral director who, after examining it, told them that it was fresh beef liver and that it had never been exposed to fire. I also saw reporting that said that it was a pig heart. 
either way, this guy really did bury a fucking metal box. With what a is going it, on here? Yeah. yeah. This is, I'm really, I enjoy this story because we can talk mm. about it and debate and figure things out. To me, this is Dyatlov Pass type level of like, what it's the ve- fuck is I happening? I agree. It's very fucking strange. Like one coincidental type thing, two. We're stacking and stacking. We're at here. like 10. It's not possible. This is not possible. Later, there were more rumors going around Fayetteville that Chief Morris had afterwards admitted that uh, the box with the liver or pig heart, whatever, um, he said it did not come from the fire. He had supposedly put it there in hopes that the Sodders would find it and be satisfied that their missing kids had died in the fire. Jeez. It's weird, right? That's really weird. It's really weird. That throws a wrench in everything. Why? Why even do that? Are you f- guilty? Were you helping other people start the fire? Were you trying to throw them off the trail? Like, what, What's the purpose here? Weird. And then you put that on top of, he sat around for seven hours while this exactly. house burned. But he kept this all quiet. Like, this was found out, and how the story goes is this private investigator had to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. So this chief bar- put a pig's heart in a metal box... Where did he bury it? And buried it. I don't know. And he was just hoping they might show up and find it. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, that's what I'm right. like. Did he, was he going to try to sneak it, like sneak the 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 liver or the heart into like the garden someday and be like, yeah. oh look, you found a heart. It's oh, a miracle. It's it's still fresh. That's weird, but you found it. Yeah, makes no sense. Yeah, when he buried when he dug, how it's told is like he digs it up and. He's like, yeah, this heart was found in the fire, and I buried it here. And then George and Tinsley take it to the take it to get tested to see what it is, and it's an animal organ. I'm really having trouble piecing all this together. I'm not sure. So there's all these rumors going around, stuff like that. Um, there's a pretty pretty big case. So of course there were claims of people seeing the solder kids out in the world. The first one came from a woman who claimed to have spotted the kids looking out of the window of a passing car as the fire was burning at the solder house. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Like speeding away from the scene. Yeah. No way to confirm Mm. that. One sighting at a tourist stop between Fayetteville and Charleston, about 50 miles west of the solder house. Uh, A woman claimed to have seen the kids on Christmas morning saying that she served them breakfast and that they left in a car that had Florida license plates. Oh, Florida. Mm. Well, that solves everything. (laughs) Mm. Someone from fucking Florida did all this shit. (laughs) Another likely (laughs) another woman at a Charleston hotel who had seen photos of the kids in the newspaper. um, She said that she saw four of the five solder kids a week after the fire with two men of quote, Italian extraction. Italian extraction. Hmm. Oh, I didn't kill a nobody. <laughs> oh, Mafia Mike uh, stepping into the fray. You were not responsible. What are your thoughts, Mafia Mike? I my statement speaks for itself. You look at the sausage. <laughs> well, I have you here. You look at the sausage. You got some actual audio from the mafia. That's the a- shit in the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, lost episodes. Yeah, long time ago. 
that maybe Mafia Mike could help us solve this case since there's clearly an Italian angle to it. Well, it doesn't mean all Italians are guilty. I didn't say anyone was guilty. I just wanted Mafia <laughs> Mike to help us solve it. That's all. Maybe we're a little hungry. You get some of my garlic bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice of him. That's nice. I would love some garlic bread right now. I would too. That sounds great. So this woman, she didn't remember the exact date of the sighting but she said that an entire group checked in at the hotel at midnight and stayed in a large room with several beds she said that she attempted to talk to the kids but the men quote appeared hostile and wouldn't let her a woman in houston wrote to george claiming that an acquaintance drunkenly confessed to being lewis Sauter, who was nine at the time of the fire he claimed that he was living in the area with his brother maurice george and his son-in-law drove down there to follow up on the sighting, but they couldn't find the woman who the letter came from. Local police ended up identifying the guy and helped George and his son-in-law find him, but he denied the conversation ever took place or that he was Lewis Sauter. If it was him and he was lying, would you be able to identify him? If you hadn't seen your kid in uh, how long and he was an adult now, do you think there's think you'd be able to recognize him? I think you would. Some sort of connection still do you though i feel like i i think you would be able to hmm. i don't know i don't know either i think it's tough well this day and age it is you don't know what fuck anyone could get done to change their look and appearance sure but i i don't know back then it's just it's the same person just grown up more adult features unless it was a drastic change you probably i mean i'm not saying you're gonna like have that physical connection and be like i know this is my son yeah. or whatever but anyways you might have to show him your sausage <laughs> you look at the sausage i don't know how that would Poppy. help <laughs> they ended up uh george and jenny Sauter ended up writing to j edgar hoover the fbi trying to get them involved and um hoover wrote back to them and said that it wasn't a federal case. It wasn't something that they would normally be involved in. But if they could get local law enforcement involved and on board, if they could get local law enforcement on board with it, he would send a couple FBI FBI agents down to figure, to help with the investigation. All right. uh, local law enforcement said no. They did not <laughs> want the FBI there. Per usual, yeah. yeah. People did not get along. Yeah. No. Thank you. So with no real law enforcement help at this point, George and Jenny brought in a Washington, D.C. investigator named Oscar B. Hunter to dig through the scene of the fire. He found several bone fragments, which Hunter sent to the Smithsonian Institute for testing. The Smithsonian said, quote, The human bones consist of four lumbar vertebrae belonging to one individual. Since the transverse recesses are fused, the age of this individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years. The top limit of age should be about 22 years since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still unfused. On this basis, the bones show greater skeletal maturation than one would expect for a 14-year-old boy, the oldest missing solder child. It is, however, possible, although not probable, for a boy 14 and a half years old to show 16 to 17 maturation so they're saying whatever they found was likely older 16 17 even up to 22 not 14 years old which right. would have been the eldest mm -hmm. kid it was not they were not consistent with what they found 
and the Smithsonian also said that the bones, those bone fragments showed no evidence of ever being exposed to a fire. That's a big one. Which? That's a big one. What is that? Yeah, like, whose spine is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another question now. Who the fuck's spine is this? What are we feeling about these bones that we found in here? Uh, their report also said, quote, it's very strange that no other bones were found in the allegedly careful evacuation of the basement of the house. The report concluded that the shards were likely in the fill dirt George used to fill the basement to create that memorial for the kid. Where'd the fill dirt come from? Where'd that spine come from? <laughs> what the fuck? So that almost makes me think more of that like kind of Italian mafia type thing, like Who's most likely to have some spare parts to just throw into the mix of things and throw things off? Man, I mean, they just went by and they're like, eh, go ahead and bury this, uh, these bones, you know, ha- a couple yards from the house. When they start digging it up, they'll find this. Or was George up to yeah. something? And he's getting his fill dirt from somewhere where a couple people have been buried before. There's a lot of secrets in this country. This is Dyatlov Pass in that there is 119 yeah. different explanations for what might have happened. Yeah. In 1968, the Sodders received a letter, which was what they believed the most credible evidence that the kids were alive, or at least one of them was. One day, Jenny found in the mail uh, a letter addressed to her, postmarked in Central City, Kentucky, with no return address. Inside was a picture of a young man, uh, about 30 years old, with features really looking like Lewis's, and would have been in his 30s if he had survived. On the back was written, Lewis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, LLI, boys, A9013234, or 35. The hand ring's a little weird. I'll send you the picture of this kid. The left. Oh yeah, I can see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> the left is Lewis. That's a for real picture, Lewis. Mm-hmm. The right is what they received, what Jenny received in the mail. That absolutely could be him, and it absolutely could not be him. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. sure. But if you're his, mu- if of, if you're Jenny and you see that the of, similarity, of you're like, course. oh shit, that yeah. is him. But it's different when you're also you know them in, in the flesh, and it's your own child. Like, I see it, and I'm like, yeah, that could be them. Could not be. You're going to feel a little stronger about it one way or the other if you're their parent. Yeah. But I, I see it. I think the eyes are different. I think he has different eyes. They are, like, but I don't know. The right, like, he's got bags under his eyes. Look at all of us. Like, we got fucking yeah, bags under the our kid, eyes. The kid's got more <laughs> almond-shaped eyes than the adult. doesn't look the same. I don't disagree, but the adult is also looking up, which I yeah. think might change yeah, kind of possible. the view of the eyes. Yeah. Like he's look, he's not looking straight. But I don't know. And the kid's ears flare out a little bit more. That was the but first the angle's thing. a little different. I know, right. but you you could have grew into your ears. Yeah. You get a little, yeah. you know, sure, fat faced. He's not fat faced, but so I don't know. Okay, maybe well, add that to the. Uh, it's not a dead ringer or anything. But would we know a dead ringer? I don't know if we would know a dead ringer from the outside looking in like this if we saw it. But you just said a little bit ago you can recognize people unless they change significantly. I was talking about a parent recognizing their own child. Yeah. I think when you're closer to someone like that, you can re- you have right. you are better at recognizing. Right, that's fair. I didn't mean any of us. I think yeah. there's some people though, like 
I don't know. I don't know what comes to mind. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> you see that guy as a kid, and you see him as an adult. You're like, of course, that's the same person. But some people just exactly don't change. Yeah, some people just don't change. That's not the situation. No, that is not here. that. I agree. That's not that. It's not 100% like, oh, for sure, that's yeah. him. Yeah, I agree. People age differently. Yeah. Might have done some drugs. Maybe he did a weed and now he looks like he's done hard time. Wow. Because people who do weed. Doing weed is doing hard time, pal. It is. You're never coming back from that. That's why I sell my baby face features. Look at me over here. Yeah. Look, you're 102. (laughs) Speaking of Macaulay Culkin, I'm up here in heaven waiting for you, Macaulay. (sighs) (sighs) Who invites this guy every time? (laughs) Oh, I hate him. I can't wait till you come up to heaven with me, Macaulay. In your booty hole. Now he's wishing for Macaulay Culkin to die. I don't like this one bit. Time moves so slow up here in heaven. <laughs> Just kill yourself, Macaulay. Oh, my God. Jesus kill yourself Christ. And bring your booty hole up here to heaven with me. Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a scumbag. Can't stand this guy. I went through all the booty holes up here. I need, I need Macaulay. <laughs> I'm home alone. <laughs> I'm in heaven alone. <laughs> oh, I I can't stand him. Nope. <laughs> we'll be He's not supposed to be in here. So the Sodders hired another private investigator to go down and and look into this letter in Central City. Um. But that PI never reported back to the Sodders, and they were never able to find him again. <laughs> the guy probably I hope just... they revoked his license and sent <laughs> right. a strongly worded letter because that's a professional malpractice. Leave him a, a terrible Google review. Yes, <laughs> like that guy more than likely ripped them off. But if you're the Sodders and this happens, this would seem like it's part of the conspiracy. Like this guy got tipped off to something and then disappeared. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Meanwhile, it was just a scumbag. Right. Probably, probably that. George told the Charleston Gazette Mail in late 1969 that the investigation has been, quote, like hitting a rock wall. We can't go any further. Time is running out for us, but we only want to know. If they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. What an awful thing. It's just awful existence. Later that year, George passed away, and after that, Jenny wore black for the rest of her life, and like we said earlier, she tended to the garden where the house used to be. After she passed away in 1989, the family tore down the billboard that George and Jenny had put up, which they put up a huge billboard with the kids' pictures on it and reward money and stuff, and it sat there forever, and when it was torn down in 89, it was not taken care of. It was all, you know beat up paint peeling all that kind of stuff which is such a sad ending for that woman oh yeah that's terrible just out there taking care of this garden next to a billboard that's just half run down it is so sad this story sylvia solder paxton the youngest of the surviving solder siblings died in 2021 she always stood by her parents belief that her five siblings survived that night it seems like from what people investigated this and have looked into it, everybody kind of thinks that the kids did die in the fire in that it was just investigated poorly. Mm-hmm. The investigation was just terrible. That's then, the most logical explanation. Right. And then it's then it gets down to 
how did the fire start? Which it sure seems like somebody set the house on fire because they were pissed off at George. I mean, there's evidence. He had two different people tell him his house is going to catch on fire. One of them in a threatening manner and telling him he's going to lose his kids. Yeah, boy, it sure seems like it, right? It seems like there was a conspiracy to burn the house down. But I think the kids probably died in the fire. That would be my best guess. But there's a lot of things stacking up here that it wouldn't make people were... sense that the kids were just gone forever. No, like I don't. I don't know why that would be. Why would you stay hidden so long? Unless they were taken elsewhere and killed. There's theories that they were taken back to Italy, and they didn't know. There was, you know, rumors of um, George being involved in some issues with the Sicilian mafia. <sighs> anything's possible as always there's a big thing with Mussolini here that is always brought up anytime you read this about how pissed some people in this community were with him Mm. about how he talked about Mussolini I really think that has something to do with it isn't that wild but I don't know what the tie back like is there something Mm. was there something going on in this community that was aiding Italy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, why Some be undiscovered s- plot? Right, like why be so pro Mussolini? Yeah, to where you're gonna get in a fight with somebody and say you're gonna yeah. pay for all the shit you've been talking on him. I mean, I get that tempers flared and people had strong feelings during this time, but to mad to burn your whole house down? Maybe I. I mean, the guy told him he was that your house is going to burn down and your kids are going to be destroyed. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty specific. That I mean, and, and it, yeah. it could just be a weird coincidence that happened, but I don't know. So on the surface, that's one thing, but all these other things that are discussed. There's so many per- other things. Like that's a whole separate layer that seems really hard to swallow. But then the phone line was cut. It wasn't burned. But then and someone had to climb all the way up there. To <laughs> yeah, cut it. right. And then does that mean like these these Italians had the the fire chief in their pocket, like that he was just going to no show and come up with all that bullshit, or the investigation, like that it was going to be oh we didn't find any bodies, but maybe there were bodies. Yeah, like cutting like, the phone line and, and maybe to prevent the fire truck from getting there and things like that. I can see being part of the conspiracy to burn the house down. Well, that's yeah. But kidnapping the kids with this and sending them back to Italy and all this other stuff seems highly unlikely. But what what I'm saying is, if this was an a an, and he's anti Mussolini thing, does that mean everybody in the town was pro Mussolini? That you're going to have a cover up of the fire chief? Oh, couldn't drive, couldn't get there for seven hours. Yeah, a cover up of oh, the guy who threatened me's on the jury. I'm going to tell my attorney and the police. Ah, hush, hush. That doesn't make a difference. Yeah, all of that. Like, are they all pro Mussolini? Like that they're all in on like, this? It seems like a lot. And the and the war was over. Fucking Mussolini right. was dead, asshole. So I I don't know. Or like the investigation, like, oh, we found nothing, so I don't think they killed any kids. So the the the, the pro Mussolini group had the entire city in their pocket. I, I don't know if I buy that. I buy that it could have been them that did it, but Is was it, it just sh- a shitty investigation afterwards? Which we've talked about more than enough that I believe it that it could have been. Yeah. 
if it was mafia related, if it did have something to do with the Sicilian mafia, I think Chief Morris, if someone from the Sicilian mob came in and talked to Chief Morris and told him that he's not going to do any fire work that night, then he probably would have listened, I would assume. But what's the Sicilian mafia doing in Fayetteville, West Virginia in 1945? I agree that that, that could be a good odd. blanket answer to the conspiracy aspect because they could that could cover everything. They, yeah. they had their hands in all of that. But yeah, what are they worried about Fayetteville, West Virginia? That would seem a little weird. Like the Italian mob in New York City wasn't supporting Mussolini. If it was a mafia issue, then it would have nothing to do with Mussolini. That would be something that George mm. was doing on the side that nobody knew about. This has something to do with his brother. He would never talk about why his brother took off. Right. Or but did, it, did his family have some issue with the mafia? And his brother's like, I'm not staying here. Look, it's an old blood feud that they were escaping from. And it and they got followed, followed him back here. And they're like, you know, we know nothing about his your past. Whole family. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he wouldn't talk about his past. He's a very, the, the origins of George Sauter aren't, aren't really known. Yeah. We just solved the case. See you guys next week. <laughs> oh, I didn't kill a nobody. Case well, closed. I guess they didn't do it then, right? Mafia Mike was in the Sicilian Mafia for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. They kicked him out for just his ego got too big. They didn't kill him, though. They no. let him peacefully leave. They, they One of the few men that they <laughs> let pretty peacefully rare. walk away from the lifestyle. The lifestyle. He promised uh, <laughs> not to. He promised not to talk. That's why he I goes, won't I, tell a word. Yeah, they just talk about sausage and garlic bread. He opened up his. He he's the manager now of an Olive Garden, <laughs> and he's very proud of that. <laughs> you look at the sausage. Sausage. Aggressive. <laughs> it's a weird inflection. Sausage. <laughs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> sausage. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. A lot of weird things stacking up here, and uh, I don't think we're ever going to know. I have zero final thoughts because... I think the kid's probably burned up, though. There has There's some type of conspiracy here. To, there's definitely a conspiracy. Because then you, Chief Morris showing them where this metal box was with a heart inside it's of it. weird. A lot weird. of weird, weird yeah. stuff. They, the, the guy was targeted. Uh, 100%. George wasn't behind this, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. They burned his fucking house down. Somebody did. But I don't know why. I think the kids died. I think there was a conspiracy. I do think the kids died. I don't know why. Because it feels weird that, like, when they, if they didn't die then, maybe they were taken into, you know, abducted and then killed. Because Mm -hmm. then why would you not ever grow up and then get back in contact with your family? Or do something to, you know, let people know, hey, I'm still alive. Yeah. yeah. I think it was probably deeper than just not liking Mussolini. That seems like a big stretch to me. Oh, fuck Mussolini. All right, we're going to burn your whole house down. It, it's that, a little silly. After the war is over, Mussolini's dead. It's something probably deeper. There's something deeper than us. I think maybe George is involved in some stuff that not exactly sure about or uh, history back in Italy. I think they burned his house down. I think the kids probably died in the fire. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of weird things that happened after and eyewitness accounts and all, but it's an I'm easy, not sure they're all credible. It's a good theory to go with because it, co- it it's a blanket to cover everything. Yeah. But there's, 
zero evidence to support any of that, right? Or am I missing something? With that George had shady dealings or anything? Yeah, yeah we don't know that. Yeah. Right. And there's a ton of evidence for weird conspiracies. Yeah. So I almost feel like it makes sense, but are we just throwing a blanket on this to be like, well, that covers yeah, on all, so. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I like this, though. I don't like it. It's a sad story, but yeah. I, I like discussing these ones because, like, who the fuck knows? And I don't think we've had this kind of shit since Dyatlov, like we said. It seems like Occam's razor. The kids died in the fire, it, yeah. and somebody had an issue with George. I don't think it would, like you said, the Mussolini thing, it just seems like a stretch. Like, you're just going to fucking kill a bunch of people over this? Yeah. And the war's over? Maybe in 1942 when George was in the heat of it talking yeah, shit. Right. Yeah. But every time you try to put a coherent kind of idea of what happened together, then like you said, like the box with the heart and like, well, how the There's fuck does so that many fit in there? Yes. That doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. Yeah. Or this mystery guy that stole block and tackle, but then decided to climb a telephone pole and cut the phone line. Yeah. Oops. I meant to cut the power line, though. Yeah. Why'd you need to even do right, that right. at all? Well, the security cameras that were going on? <laughs> What's right. going on here? Aren't those ring doorbells getting me? <laughs> yeah, they were definitely targeted. Someone wanted to kill the whole family. For what reason? Who knows? And who? Not going to know. I think it's the best we can do. Are there documentaries out there about this? Like any big time ones? Or? I don't know. Maybe we're the first. For <laughs> the first big time one, of course. <sighs> okay, I'm not going to ask final thoughts because we've kind of it's all I got. Spun our wheels here for a while. All right, we got some shoutouts. Patreon, new patrons. Thank you to new patrons: Nunia Biznaz, <laughs> Jenny Thacker, Carmen Insider. <laughs> <laughs> Dave says go blue. Dave does certainly not say go blue. Lady Bug, Anthony Plaitas, Aria Williams, Anita Rimmer, <laughs> Justin Casey Felter Snatch. It's the same person just <laughs> paying a dollar each time to have these names read. Battery Flaccid, Logan Potvin, Kimball Beathers, Bane Lurg. Casey Anthony licking Mike's nipples. I might allow that. <laughs> Riley Guest, Trevor Thornhill, Victor Urgillis, Midwest Tyrus, Cheyenne, Lauren Fitzpatrick, Jess, Jennifer Eckstein, Boo Boo Kitty Fuck, Jenny Tulwartz, Adam Wood, Corinne, Rhonda Fendel, and fuck Ja Rule. Hey, come on. <laughs> we already said this last week. We're come not doing on. that. You know what you're going to get here, buddy? It's murder. <laughs> ja Rule's going to show up at your door, pal. I hope he does. Can't be saying fuck Ja Rule on this show. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Very disrespectful. <laughs> Thank you to new all new patrons. Uh, Ian. For iTunes, I have one for Juke RN. Happy customer, one, two, three. Ledork, Ed Ninja one two three. Ed Ninja gave four stars. I haven't really talked about reviews addressed any in a while. Huh? I fucking give us four stars. Well, Ed says that we don't know what we talk about a lot of the times. Um, 
Really? <laughs> I think people sometimes maybe they think like the alcohol and the weed is a work that we're not always, you know, yeah, fairly intoxicated. So sometimes hmm. things are going to be said that we don't, you know, we don't mean exactly what we say. Is we this might, the gun we, comment? Yes, yeah, so we might say the wrong thing sometimes. Uh, Ed had an issue with that. I said that a twenty-two caliber shotgun. I I do know that a twenty-two caliber caliber shotgun is not a real thing. <laughs> it's just it's called marijuana. So sometimes Jesus I'm gonna miss. Christ. Sometimes I'm gonna misspeak. No need to take people, a star away from that. People though. get fired up about that kind of stuff. Especially gun people. Gun people get really aggravated. They really when, do. When we mislabel guns and that's not even a caliber. Are you insane? But I think that was a okay. verbal typo, if you will. Even Mike here knows that there's no 22 caliber shotgun. Obviously. <laughs> I play Call of Duty. I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I didn't kill nobody. <laughs> I don't know nothing about guns. <laughs> Never heard of her. Uh, and we'll get it right next time, Ian. I will. I'm sorry. Get your gun knowledge back in check. In uh, the last one, Indie Zebra. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Anything else, Dave? I got an international shout out. Uh, thank you for the kind review to uh, Slimy Millar. Slimy Miller. Slimy Millar in uh, Great Britain. Hmm. Appreciate it. I also have one more shout out. Uh, Ashley sent us some delightful homemade jams. Oh, yeah, that's right. So quite delicious. Thank you, Ashley. If you want to check out her jams, facebook.com slash that's my jam 23. And her little, uh, they sent us the party favors from their wedding, which yeah. is like a key. And it's also a bottle opener. Oh, that's the key to my heart. Opening a bottle of <laughs> alcohol. The key to <laughs> happiness is love. And the ability to open a bottle. Nice. I so, agree, Ashley. We use cans on the show, but thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll save it for an IPA. Yeah, summertime when those Blood Moon ones come back out yeah, next year. Those are good. I hope Ashley licked her hubby's balls on one. <laughs> she probably did, right? I'd like to think she did, and I'd yeah. like to think that he, you know, tongue-punched her asshole. <laughs> as all married couples should. That's how we're going to think about it in the, the cool-down media studio. When I beat off later tonight thinking about their wedding, their honeymoon, that's what I'm going to be thinking of. So thank you, Matthew and Ashley. <laughs> March 25th, 2023. A day that will live in infamy. I just want to smell his dick. <laughs> I'm, I, I might. I might. Do you think they use jam on their honeymoon? Oh, 100%. Off each other's nipples yeah. and whatnot. Naughty bits. When you're a jam maker, it just doubles for lube, right? Why buy lube when you have all that jam? Oh, <laughs> oh I don't like that thought now. That's so messy. Don't love that. It just seems like it's going to cause problems in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that might lend itself to yeast infections with all that sugar, huh? That's probably, yeah, something weird that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> I gotcha. To be clear, we don't recommend their jam be used for sexual lubrication. You should put it on like toast and muffins and yeah, maybe a bagel or something. A bagel or I am not hard in the slightest <laughs> right now. I'm not. That's because you're using the <laughs> strawberry. You should be using the peach. <laughs> no, get that dangle right up. 
This poor lady just trying to send us a gift, and here yeah. we are. Thanks. Congratulations. All right. Send at your own risk. <laughs> send at your own risk. We might bury you in your company. <laughs> talk about jerking off to you and your husband's honeymoon, but hey. That's what you get for liking us. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod, Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our merch and Necronomapod.com. We have stickers available. Thank you very much. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>